So, ladies and gentlemen, we wait for the interpreters to get ready, and uh, you're ready. Very good. <laughs> welcome to ILA, welcome to this uh, press conference with our Director General Jan Werner. And uh, I, I'm Franco Bonacina, his spokesman, and I leave the floor directly to him. And thanks again for coming. We share the same mic. Huh? Okay, thank you very much, Franco. Ladies and gentlemen, um, it is, uh, of course, a very special situation for me. I have been here at the ILA all the years, but in a different function as uh, head of the German uh, Aerospace Center, DLR. Now it's new world for me, first time to be here as the ILA DG. And I would like to show you some pictures, and Franco will afterwards tell me what I forgot, what I have to say in addition. Um, so, of course, we are here at uh, ILA, and of course, some of you know already that we are doing, and uh, I'm always repeating, because it's some messages you have to repeat, that we are really working and tackling the global challenges. And here you see a list of global challenges, and all of them are related to what we are doing in space. And what for me is always important is this point of curiosity. We should not forget, and this is my message again and again, that uh, all the new technologies and everything is fine, but what we need for the future is curious people. Young people, old people, curious people. Uh, because space can deliver information for very different areas. Space is, of course, communication, navigation, science, technology, education. But again, it's inspiration. And what we need more than everything else is that the young people are inspired to create the future. This is uh, my uh, clear understanding. ESA, this time here at ILA, first time, we are 22 member states, uh, including Norway and Switzerland, that means 20 states out of the EU. And as I learned yesterday from a, ra a rather high person, that still it's not known, ESA is not a part of the EU. ESA is an intergovernmental organization being partner of the EU. So just this is a very important mes message because yesterday I learned that this is not known uh, uh, in the world. Okay, so the yesterday was of course the race in space, you know all, all of this story. Today we are in a different world, we are discussing about cooperation and even beyond earthly crisis. And when we have problems on Earth, we still can cooperate in space and this is for me an interesting and uh, uh, future-oriented goal of space. And if we look to that, then we look, of course, also to what is called Industry 4.0 in Germany, which is called Usine 4.0 in France, and maybe in Italy different. This is Industrial Revolution, the fourth Industrial Revolution. And we have a similar dis uh, development in space, coming from Space 1.0, Space 2.0, Race in Space 3.0, ISS. Now we are in the Space 4.0. And this is really what we are talking right now and for the future. It's space is covering all the different areas. Space is now comprehensive, but also new space. Space is changing. So no, nothing will be as in the past when agencies were governing, governing the space sector. You will see that in the future, we will have a much broader space sector. And ESA has to be part of it. We want to be part of it. We want to create the future. And to do so, we need the right team. And what we created in ESA is a team of teams. That means for space applications, Earth observation, navigation, telecommunication, for space science and exploration, meaning space science, but also human and robotic exploration, for space transportation, not only launchers, but also several spacecrafts, for technologies and operations, and for the administration, we, ha we are creating now teams. Administration is the internal thing of human resources and financial matters, but at the same time, we have, have in administration also the procurement for the external world, for the industry. So this is our team of teams, and for me it's a special opportunity today to show you also the new directors. The old directors you know already, but for operations we have Rolf Denzing in Darmstadt, for internal services we have Jean-Marc Püch mainly in Paris, for navigation we have Paul Verhoof mainly in ESTEC in um, the Netherlands. For exploration, human and robotic, we have David Parker. For transportation, it's Daniel Neuenschwander from Switzerland. And for Earth observation, you have to wait two weeks. Then you will get that name as well. 
So we are, as I said, we are an intergovernmental organization, um, but my personal dream was and is still to go from European Union to United States of Europe. I'm strongly believer of Europe, and I think this is the right solution, but I know it will not come in the next few days, not during the ELA, and therefore we have to be a little bit more modest, and therefore I'm working for United Space in Europe. This is something I can do, and we are trying to do so. And therefore, it's important to have common goals uh, in Europe. We have a strong part, that's the ESA Convention. Uh, by the way, it was the original uh, document was created just on the May 30th in 1975. So uh, it's just two days away, our small birthday. The Lisbon Treaty um, is uh, now also putting the uh, European Union in that uh, context. And we at ESA, we believe that the cooperation of the member states of ESA and the European Commission should be the right solution for the future. What is important is that in that respect we have one European space strategy and we are working for that. But contents counts and therefore the contents should be that we are working for European identity, spirit and cohesion, that we are having some clear goals together, for instance the full integration of space into European economy and society, so that space comes really to the daily life, that we have a globally competitive European space sector. This is one of our goals. And the last goal is a little bit difficult to understand. I will say it in different words, not European freedom of action in space, but independence or autonomy in strategically relevant selected areas. I'll give you an example, launchers. We want to have our autonomous access to space with launchers, and therefore ESA is now developing together with industry and CNES a new launcher family. So therefore, in the future, it will be as it is already right now. We have our mandatory program, we have our optional program, and we have programs which come from third parties. And depending on the different nature, we have program authorities, the either member states, the participating member states, or the European Commission, um, defining then high-level requirements. I, I take off my... my I continue, thank you. So, um, and what we are doing is, and this is also, uh, from my point of view, a general message which I would like to uh, convene, is very important is you have basic research, you have applied research, technology development projects, missions, and finally you are entering into the market or in public applications. And this is what I call the chain of innovation. And what is necessary is that we have a seamless chain does not mean that ESA is doing all the steps by itself, but with industry, with research entities, with academia. So we have to pave the way, and it's very dangerous if you leave out one area because then you have a gap, either here or there or there, and if you have a gap, you will not be successful for the overall structure. So ESA is doing that, but we are also facing that space 4.0 is now entering into the scene, and more and more we have commercial activities over here, more public over here, and we will see what the development of the future will be. And as part of that, of this seamless uh, chain of innovation, we are creating these business incubation centers, uh, now in many, many uh, different member states. The last one was Prague, which we established, and you see how far uh, we have gone in this direction. Now I will go to some of the contents. Science. Science is the part what we are doing, where some people are saying, is that really necessary? We know enough, we have enough problems on Earth. Why to care about, for instance, gravitational waves? Einstein, um, Einstein proposed that there will be gravitational waves, and he was asked, will, will you ever measure it? And he said, I don't know. So, but I think it's very important because Einstein's relativity theory, he said the same. And today, navigation without Einstein's relativity theory would have an, an error of 500 meter within one hour. So wait and see what happens with gravitational waves. We have a small mission first now, the LISA Pathfinder, and we will have a big one, a huge one, with three satellites later on, where we are measuring, and not only measuring gravitational waves, but using gravitational waves to observe the universe. Though this sounds strange, but belief of different things. Optical, what we are doing with our eyes, we can see the world. 
if you have a radio, a radio telescope, you can even measure radio waves and discover other things. And the next step is to use gravitational waves to look into the orbit. I could give you much more examples. Of course, sometimes we have also some problems. So for instance, this mission, Hitomi was, is a Japanese mission uh, with a European payload on, to, on, on it. Unfortunately, the Japanese lost its contact, but it's part of what we are doing in an international scheme. We are working together with all the partners in the world. Now I go to some other areas, for instance, telecommunication. Telecommunication is already a um, very much commercialized market. However, the development of very new technologies, of very new satellite products, of new produ production methods, this is something where ESA can take part of the risk. And we are doing this in public-private partnership, not public pays permanently, but public-private partnership, meaning that at least 50% comes from the private industry. And uh, we have this project for now uh, for Neosat. We have similar projects for Electra, for this is full electric um, satellite. So we are trying to, together with industry, to do risky activities to pave the way for European competitiveness in space. Another area is uh, navigation. Navigation, we are going step by step, so people are always asking what about the situation of uh, navigation. Of course, we need a lot of satellites, so we launched another two satellites, 13 and 14, on 14th of May. And we will launch another four this year with Ariane 5, so that we will have 18 satellites in orbit at the end of this year. So stepwise, we are realizing Galileo. Earth observation, you see that if also here in ELA 2016, Earth observation is a major point. ESA is doing different things in Earth observation. So we have our own missions, which we call Earth Explorer missions. By the way, also in that area, we are now going into more public-private partnership. At the same time, we are working for the European Commission, the Sentinel missions. Uh, these are paid by the European Commission. And we have the meteorological missions, which are in partnership with UMITSAT. So we are in these different fields, very active. Um, and for instance, Sentinels, these are now launched. A lot of Sentinels, for instance, Sentinel 3A was launched and we got first images. We have another example, which was a more a, a sad example. This is, uh, you know, you heard about the Egypt uh, air flight uh, A-104. And with a radar satellite, we could identify this oil spill over here because oil flattens uh, the waves, and therefore we could find this uh, oil spill, which is very close to where the debris was found. So it seems to be that this is really the case. So Earth observation therefore covers a lot of activities. For instance, also the question of climate uh, change, uh, climate change, the COP21, and more than 50% of the um, different effects of uh, climate change can be measured and observed through uh, space activities. By this, it's important to, announce, to also explain you another word, which is part of this uh, space 4.0. And this is the name of big data. Big data is mostly misunderstood. Big data, people think, okay, this means many data. But then you would say many data and not big data. But you say big data and not many data. So there must be a difference. And I will try to explain you very shortly the difference. The difference is very simple. You take data from different sources, from different satellites, from air, from in situ and whatever. You put them together, you combine them, and through that you get additional databases. And this is then called big data. And out of it, this you get the information. And again, from institutional or public domain over here, we are going more and more to commercial activities on the right-hand side, being also used by the public. So big data is part of this thing, and for the future, of course, uh, climate change is also important to um, observe uh, the, um, uh, the different emitting areas. So for instance, the CO2 from different hotspots. I'm quite sure that this has to be done in global cooperation, otherwise, the different states worldwide will not accept the data if they are not part of it. Today, I'm also um, ready to announce a very specific thing, and this is EDIS. EDIS is a, a, a special thing. It's a data link through laser, so you could sort of say it's the Internet of Space. We launched already on the 29th of uh, uh, January this year, EDIS-A, 
one of the satellites. And today I can show you this picture uh, of the island of La Réunion. Uh, you see here the island. It's a radar picture and it uh, uh, was using the Utilsat 9B, which is hosting the EDISA uh, um, uh, payload, and the Sentinel-1A, and therefore the uh, data was on this data highway brought back to Earth, which is very efficient because it's fast and it's a worldwide uh, possibility. Why are we using this? Because in some cases we need very time, timely response. So for instance, when we have fires like in McMurray, or tsunami like in Japan. We have a worldwide cooperation, we call it the Charter for Space and Major Disasters, and we are using now in the future also this data link to get data as soon as possible uh, on Earth for the people using this data. There's another area where we are now working on, and this is space and migration or sustainable development. With uh, Earth observation, we can also follow, for instance, very important aspects of migration, flow of refugees, the size of camps, etc., etc. But I'm also sure that in the future we can use space also to help the countries from which the refugees are coming so that the refugees intend to stay at home. And we are trying to set up also something like a... Something like a charter for that area in the future, so for sustainable development, um, taking into account migration. I go to a totally different field, and this is the launches. You can see here in ILA the development of Ariane 6 and Vega C. This is a very special story. We had in the past Vega, Ariane 5 in different versions, and we had Soyuz from Baikonur, from Baikonur and Soyuz from um, French Guiana. Now we are working on this new structure, not only a new launcher, it's really also the governance is changing, the investment of industry for the first time, we have a private investment of industry in that part. So the, the whole story is a changing story and we are working now and we are developing Vega C, Ion 62, 64 as a family with commonalities, but it's also clear we cannot stop with that. The market is a very rapidly ch changing market, so we have to look into the future. I don't know how it looks, therefore I cannot tell you, but it's very clear that we need for the futures uh, radical solutions, disruptive solutions, if we want to be competitive in the European market and in the worldwide market, because launcher market is a worldwide market. We want to be autonomous, but at the same time, the competitiveness is of importance for us, because otherwise, we are lost um, because uh, different to other nations, we are trying to have uh, a pricing concept where the costs are more or less um, then covered by the different um, uh, contributions. We are also looking into the future, what can we do in, um, in a near Earth orbit uh, for future development. So for instance, we had the very nice experience of IXV flown with, uh, Vega, with the Vega. We are looking whether we can enhance that for the future and uh, putting also some robotic capabilities on top of it to use it also for different purposes in that area. And this leads me to an area which uh, is a little bit difficult to communicate, especially to people who are always thinking of return of investment just money-wise in short terms. And this is exploration. Uh, exploration is, from my understanding, a European heritage. Pioneer in exploration, that were words for which Europe st stood in the past. Uh, it's not only democracy, human rights, diversity of cultures. We are diverse, yes, philosophy and arts, science and development, but pioneering and exploration, this is what we are doing, what we did in the past, and what space should do in the future. And of course, Rosetta was an excellent example. It also had this return of investment because uh, the camera on board is now used for the early detection of uh, forest fires on Earth. But again, it's it was in, uh, invented or created as a purely scientific mission, and it found out very interesting things. So, for instance, that the water on Comet of gerasimenko is different with the, the relation of heavy water and light water than the water we have on Earth. So it is an interesting point from a scientific point of view. And also they found some nice brick stones which are the basis for life. So, therefore, the comets are interesting, very old particles of our uh, uh, universe of our solar system. 
And this is a nice picture. I just took that as another example because maybe you never saw that. That's a picture from the other side of the comet, not having the bright side, uh, but the dark side um, of the comet. Another thing where we are looking to life is ExoMars. And uh, you know already we, are, we have to shift the 2018 mission to 2020. You see here also in the exhibition part of the 2016 mission where we have an orbiter which should investigate the atmosphere of Mars to find whether there's any trace gas of life. And then also we will have a demonstrator lander and we are using this technology later on for the 2020 mission where we would like to have a rover and drill two meters deep in the, uh, in the surface of Mars to look for any part of what we call life. And uh, ExoMars is again an international activity, not only European, but together with Russia and America. This was a launch on the 14th March this year. And this picture I like because there you can really see what internationally means. So here's a Russian, you know, French, Italian, European, uh, Russian, British, uh, no, he's now also European because uh, David Parker, and uh, this is Alvaro Jimenez from Spain, but no, now also European. So this picture shows how we are working together, and I think this is a good picture for international collaboration. Another example is, of course, the International Space Station. We have our pioneers over there, you know, this group of European astronauts of different nationality right now. Thomas Peake is in orbit. I had the very nice opportunity after I sent, uh, this is uh, Andreas Morgensen. Uh, this is Andreas Morgensen. Tim Peake, yes. Okay, this is Tim Peake. Yes, not Thomas Peake, Tim Peake, but Andreas Morgensen. Okay, so this is Timothy Peake at his EVA. And um, Timothy Peake, uh, and this shows me that Europe is gradually enhancing, although some people believe the opposite. But you see, usually these astronauts are really the heroes in their home country. That's the normal way. An astronaut of German nationality in Germany, an astronaut of British nationality in Britain, an astronaut of French nationality in France, and so on. But now I show you a picture, and this is really the picture I like most. This is the French TV at the prime time showing Tim Peake, a British, uh, during his mission and they, it was about 10 minutes or something like that, so it was a long report. I think we are doing well, uh, and it goes uh, step by step. Another picture I like is Samantha Cristoforetti, Italian nationality, and she took this picture. I like it, of course, because of the moon. Yes, this is clear. But the other thing, she, she showed with this picture how thin the atmosphere is. And if you, because you cannot understand, or I cannot understand what means atmosphere, in eight kilometers height, you can still a little bit breathe, a little bit, on Mount Everest. Huh? Some people can, others cannot. If you take now a football, a soccer ball, and you think about how thick would be the same area proportionally on a, on a soccer ball, what would you guess? I will not ask you. It's this, the, the thickness of a hair, 0.1 millimeter. That makes clear how thin and how volatile our atmosphere is, and we better take care of it. Therefore, I like this picture. Exploration to go to the moon. She likes the Earth. She is smelling. That was after her landing. And at the same time, to see how fragile our world is. As it was mentioned this morning, we will have in 2018 Alexander Gerst, a European astronaut with German nationality. He will be commander on the International Space Station. In between, we will have um, Thomas Pesquet and Paolo Nespoli also flying to the station. And there's always a question, how do the Europeans pay for that? And we pay for that, this is shown in this picture. This part is the payment for the astronauts. This part is Orion, the capsule, and this is the American new rocket SLS. And with the service module, we are on the critical path of the new launching system and therefore, I'm very happy that we, can, uh, that we are part of it. Without us, this system would not, would not work. So the Americans are trusting us, and we have to give um, our best to succeed. Because finally, I'm quite sure that astronauts, as well as robotic missions in exploration, are the ones which are giving especially fascination, inspiration, and motivation to young people. Now, uh, in June 2016, of course, I'm looking also to the council on ministerial level at the end of this year. 
This picture shows it very easily, so we have some ideas, the member states, the stakeholders, industry, public, and so on and so on, either executive. We are looking to some programs, corporate developments, and ESA position in Europe. We are discussing, we are concretization, we have a concretization and a decision. Okay, so good, so, so easy. The real world is a little bit difficult. That's like this. So we have much more ideas, much more proposals than we can um, accept from the member states uh, according to their affordability. And therefore, we are just in this phase, meaning we have ongoing programs which we would like to continue. We have new proposals of different types and some very special extra proposals, which are out of the box. And then we have to see the affordability of the member states. Unfortunately, it's not the same height. So we have to get some process. There are some things we cannot discuss about which are necessary. And we are now here in this uh, direction and we are trying to have also new ideas uh, realized. Just some uh, examples, for, for instance, space traffic management. We have so many space debris around our tiny globe, we better take care of that. Um, this is for the satellites, number one, but also for our life on Earth. This is Chelyabinsk, the uh, meteorite impact. And you know that meteorite impact is, is an important aspect, meteorites or asteroids. Uh, and there are a lot in our universe, so we better take care because the dinosaurs um, were already um, by that dying out. And we cannot trust um, Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis is nice, but we cannot trust that he will do the job for us. So we have to do something. And one idea which is on the table is, for instance, together with NASA to have a mission to fly to an asteroid and the Americans will make an impact to the asteroid to see how the, the movement of the asteroid is then changed, or better, a moon of an asteroid and we should observe it, so um, working together in this field. And for the bigger piece of co pieces, of course, we need something like, really, now the word is really true, a vacuum cleaner. I mean, it's even better in English than in German. In German, it would be Staubsauger. You should not translate vacuum cleaner into Staubsauger. Uh, but you said, uh, so it means vacuum cleaner, vacuum säuberer, because we are in vacuum. And as for that, we are discussing about satellite movers, which can bring old uh, stuff down and maybe for maintenance and other things, uh, stuff up. So in this respect. So all of this is linked to money. And uh, as I learned that um, people are always trying to get some comparison what the money is for space in Europe, satellite navigation in Europe, and human spaceflight in Europe now compared with daily expensive we are using. So for instance, this is a advertisement, advertisement of uh, Opel. This is for Danish beer. And this is the city of Darmstadt. So yeah, they are using all astronauts for their purposes. So a car needs fuel. 10 liters per citizen and year. This is what we need money-wise for all the space activities in Europe. So it's not that much. One beer, I took one extra for this, uh, for this uh, talk. One beer per citizen and year is enough to pay for all satellite navigation in Europe. And to have just one public transportation ticket per citizen and year in Paris, let's say one euro 70, is enough for human spaceflight in Europe. The only counter argument is Estonia because they, they, it's free of charge, the public transportation. But all the others have to pay for it. And I'm very happy that even in, we are in Germany here and that the German Ministry of Economy, which is responsible for the space activities, that they are now also using this activity when they show this uh, picture, which says it's efficient to save heating costs, but not, uh, not reduce the travel costs. I think this is a very clear plea for human space flight activities. I'm very happy about that. And I hope that we will get from Germany a good support for the Ministerial Council because I want you, I want you all together fighting and working for European space activity. Thank you very much. Thank you, uh, Jan Werner. It's time for question and answers. Raise your hands, introduce yourself, and uh, state your affiliation. My colleague Paul has a walking microphone for you. Uh, you can do it in German as well. Um, our interpreters can do. Okay, well, as you wish.
If you keep English, we then have a recording and we put it on the web. So let's stick to English, please. So please, uh, otherwise I would be very disappointed if you have no question. That would make me sad. You can ask what you like. My salary, my family, whatever. Ihrem Lieblingsthema vom vorigen Jahr, viele, was ist eigentlich daraus geworden und wie geht es in der Hinsicht weiter? Also, ja. Viele ist, as we call it in English, in eternal hibernation, which means we will not hear any news from viele so far. The problem is the comet is now moving away from the sun. And therefore, the chance that the batteries are charged again is very, very small. So the experts are saying more or less it's zero. But this is for me, again to repeat, Phile did a great job. 60 hours of full work, successful work. Everything what we expected, Phile did. So Phile is a success story, a very big success story. We Hope to have more, but Phile is successful. Rosetta is still working. Uh, Rosetta is uh, close to the, set, uh, to the comet right now. We will face also some problems with Rosetta very soon because of the distance and uh, the also distance to the sun. Um, and another aspect is uh, the um, uh, Rosetta is now coming closer and closer, approaching the comet. And the comet has this dust always. And this is, of course, for the optical things of Rosetta, it's a special danger. So Star Trekker and other things. But the mission is already far beyond what we expected originally. So again, as with Phile, we are very happy. And Rosetta is, a, is really a milestone in the history of uh, ESA. And I'm quite sure ExoMars is on the way to become a milestone. Yeah, please, please, no, no, please ask again. There is a, again, she has a... Okay. Follow on. Herr Werner, Entschuldigung, ich spreche in Deutsch. Sie haben ja den Standort gewechselt von Deutschland nach Paris. Wie haben Sie es wahrgenommen, die Akzeptanz der Raumfahrt, der Raumfahrtkosten weltweit? Also auch, Sie haben jetzt einen ganz anderen Blick darauf und... Wie, wie sieht es generell aus? Also in Amerika gibt es ja auch einige Probleme, dass die Kosten dort akzeptiert werden. Und zweite Frage, wie ist eigentlich die Zusammenarbeit mit den Chinesen? Ja, so, uh, I hope you got the question, otherwise, uh, so it was concerning the international situation of space and how is it uh, going. Of course, I have international relations uh, and this is very fine. It, it, it's a really another horizon compared to my previous work. And I have a lot of exchanges with all, with all states of the world. It's really impressive and interesting. Um, and uh, it's very diverse. So we have states which are very eager to enter into the space segment, to become member of the space family, also to ESA. So we have a lot of uh, member states, not member states, of states which would like to become a member state. So uh, there is really a pressure to us. People saying, or nations even saying, Yes, we are not European, but we are part of the European Song Contest, so we can also be part of ESA. Uh, this, is, no, this is a true argument. It's not a joke. I got it. And so we have worldwide uh, activities uh, with, member, with states interested in cooperation. Of course, NASA and Roscosmos and uh, the Japanese and uh, the Canadians, these are first class, or how should I say, gold, gold uh, uh, partners something like that. Um, so we are also working together with China, yes. Concerning the budgets, again, very different. In, uh, in NASA, they had a very special experience. They um, asked for some amount of money, and they got more, which is interesting. They got more last year. So for this year, they asked a little bit more than last year. Uh, and they got then just that number and not the higher number which they could get if they took the number they got last year. So there's, there is still a high level. I mean, they have about uh, three times more or three times what we have, the Americans. So they are discussing about $80 billion. We have all together with the European Commission, we have something like five, a little bit more than $5 billion. So 
Um, but there are states with raising funds, um, and there are only a few states which are announcing to go down with the funding because of several reasons, security or whatever. So worldwide space is seen to be an infrastructure, a necessary infrastructure for a modern world. It's not this prestige and prestige and uh, race in space situation any longer. It's a totally different world. Therefore, space 4.0. Was man Inforadio, Herr Werner, das sah sehr smart aus Ihr Bild äh, mit der Entscheidungsfindung dann im Dezember. Wie wie viel Optimismus haben Sie, dass es eine Lösung geben wird? 100 Prozent. Mehr mache ich nicht, weil ich Ingenieur bin. No, 100 Prozent, not more than that. I'm, I'm really satisfied. We have, once a month, we have a discussion with the member states. And we are proposing, they are reacting, we take the reaction, we come again with a, a changed proposal. It's at the end of the of the day, it's an interesting game of number crunching because the following, if you have 10 proposals where you get only 60% of the budget together, then you are lost. If you get, if you just give four proposals, but they, all of them are subscribed, but still some money is left, then we also, we lost some money. So therefore the balance between affordability and proposals seems to be very simple from the outside, from the inside, to really have the right proposals where the member states are happy to pay for. We don't want to sell our products. We want to be partner with the member states. We want to have that they are happy with what we propose and they propose putting them together. So I'm really optimistic that we will have a good ministerial at the end of the year. Also, we are facing problems of migration, security issues, and other problems, uh, world economic crisis, and so on. No, I'm optimistic, and I think it's not optimism, it's realism. Mr. Werner, I'm interested in the, your ideas about the collaboration between uh, ESA and the private sector, and I don't mean um, the established private sector, but the um, so-called new space or commercial space sector. and. You've been trying an interesting experiment, I think last year, started with the call for ideas uh, and coupling it also with the space exploration strategy. And I think this is an interesting approach how ESA is now opening up itself for um, not just only the established players, but also for the new, sp uh, new space players. And I'm wondering how also this um, is um, set in context to your vision of the Moon Village and how uh, public-private partnerships also can be applied to this. So um, it's basically about how you envision um, the collaboration between the new space sector and, and ESA in the future. I'm quite sure that the relation between the traditional space agencies and industry and so on will change. I don't know exactly. There is no magic formula. And uh, of course, we have to be cautious a little bit because the member states are expect not only risky activities, but they're expecting also delivery for navigation, delivery for climate change observation, delivery for different areas. So we have to have a balance, and this is the most difficult. I would like to be disruptive and stop all programs today and just do new things, but this is not what the member states expect from the European Space Agency. So we, I have to have the balance between disruptive new ideas with different types of cooperation, PPP is one, um, but for instance, I had a discussion on Monday in The Hague, and there was an entrepreneur, a new entrepreneur, young entrepreneur, and she said, money is important, but what is more important is that we get the right technological support for what we are doing. And this is what ESA can easily also with its competence provide. So I'm looking not into one scheme, because I think this is, again, history to just look into one scheme, how the corporation should, should look. There is no magic formula, so we have to be open, and this is a challenge for a space agency. This is a challenge for ESA, but also for the National Space Agency to leave, to, to, to uh, how should I say, to a little bit, to open up and to accept that others have totally different ideas, and we can help either with money, or with ideas, or with technological support, or with everything. So just no secret formula, but openness and readiness. 
but of course, also the, the, the new partners have to decide by themselves. So it's not that we are now looking around and picking people and say, okay, you will get uh, f f five million and now do new space. That's not, that's not new space. But we are very open and we are trying to, to make this game in our different fields. It's not easy, I can say. This is easier, yes, not easy. I did not mention the Moon Village, as you were mentioning, but I, I say the Moon Village is for me an example for that. Moon Village is misunderstood by many people. It's not a project of ESA where we put billions and billions of money of the European member states into something to create a church and some uh, single houses and whatever. No. Village means for me it's a moon station where different actors with different backgrounds, with different interests, like a village, form a community, either human or robotic, uh, either private or public. So really to have this openness. Therefore, Moon Village is one of the ideas to make space 4.0 in exploration. Das Mondorf, wissen Sie, dass Sie in letzter Zeit oder in nächster Zeit Konkurrenz bekommen? RKK Energia, Boeing und NASA haben ein Projekt vorbereitet, wo man eine Raumstation auf eine Mondumlaufbahn schicken will, relativ schnell, 20 Tonnen und die Astronauten sollen mit Orion hochgebracht werden und als Launcher dient LSL. Ja, bin ich, I'm, I'm totally happy about that, because that means that we were right in not to neglecting the moon. Uh, and I'm quite sure if they do so, I'm, I would be happy, then Europe will be on that path. So uh, NASA told me, okay, we are ready to bring you to the moon. Then you land on the moon, but when you are landing, please take an American astronaut with you. So it's already, so this is the idea of cooperation. And uh, whenever there's another member state or another state uh, worldwide having a new idea, uh, which is international, I'm happy. It's not a new race in space, not at all. Um, it would be just, Great, if we can do it. Yes, to Pirawalun, yes, Pasafo. Concerning the, the new uh, initiative for Luxembourg to exploit space resource, what's the position of ESA concerning that? So far, we have no formalized position to that. Again, from my personal point of view, it's interesting what Luxembourg is doing. Um, and my predecessor, uh, Jean-Jacques Dordain, is advisor to Luxembourg. Um, there are some uh, thoughts about whether it's the right solution just to go to uh, bodies in our solar system to get resources. But it, I'm quite sure as soon as this is affordable, it will be done. So therefore, um, it's just not our playground, um, and so there is no official uh, opinion so far from, from ESA. Uh, did you already evaluate the extra cost of ExoMars 2 delay? Okay, this uh, ExoMars mission has a very special history. It started as a single mission with about 600 million contribution uh, together with uh, NASA and then we moved because NASA stepped out. We, we moved to the Russians. We had to uh, redesign everything. And now we have uh, Roscosmos being responsible for the two launches and for even more. We have uh, the United States of America with NASA participating also, the member states. We are right now in the process where we are discussing internally with our member states about uh, not only the question of the, uh, of the delay from 2016, uh, 2018 to 2020, but also uh, we need on the technical uh, point of view, we need some more support. So the final numbers are not given right now, uh, but uh, we have a discussion and we will try to solve the issue uh, in the next coming weeks, because the first thing is we have to go to the um, Ministerial Council to ask for an additional amount signed by the ministers in the declaration, 
resolution declaration, the, the, the number was defined without a 20% increase. Usually, ESA projects can have a 20% increase without a new formal decision. This was excluded for ExoMars, and we have to open this a little bit now. So therefore, in the, in the, in the next uh, weeks, we will we already we will decide in the next weeks. We have already this discussion, and then as soon as I have uh, finalized numbers, I can contribute them to you. Not today. Mm, while you think of further questions, yeah, go go ahead. Okay. Jacqueline Murray, freelance space journalist. Uh, I was very uh, interested in your first slides. You showed uh, which my interpretation of those slides would be that you are trying to move closer to the European Union. How far do you want to move? Or is it up to a merge? Or is my interpretation simply wrong? And second thing, because you answered very briefly the, the question of my colleague about cooperation with China, is there a reason why you keep it so short? Okay, so uh, the European Commission is for us a partner. Nothing more, nothing less. It's a valuable partner. Nothing more, nothing less. So we have, we are doing right now Galileo and Copernicus, which is the funding comes from the European Commission, so from the taxpayer to the European Union, from the European Union to the European Commission, from the European Commission partly to either, and from either then to industry. We are responsible for Galileo and Copernicus, and this is a good partnership. Uh, so the European Commission, and I totally can accept that is because uh, of the political situation, is very interested in doing more in space because space is a very positive activity well supported by uh, citizens, uh, and therefore we are in a process So, what in the future will be done more by the Commission, uh, where, where do they take some responsibility, but what is important in this picture, and I will try to go back to it, I'm not so sure whether I can get, do it, but I try it. Oh, 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 because that picture, one of the pictures is for me the important one. This one, this one is for me important. So you see, um, ESA is the European Space Agency. Full, full, that's the full explanation. We have the contractual, the technical, and the system competence to realize space missions. We are doing this for in the mandatory program for science projects, paid by the member states, and they decide and they give us what we call the high-level requirements. They said, okay, make gravitational wave examination, Make, consider geo-return, and do it within five years, and we give you that and that amount of money. This is high-level requirements. Or the launchers, this is an optional program. The launchers, some member states said, please, ESA, design a new launcher together with industry. We have that and that budget, that and that time constraint. Geo-return is for us important. Do it, and then we are doing it. The next level is, Copernicus and Galileo right now, and maybe in the future some other areas as well. The European Commission gives the money. The European Commission is deciding about the high-level requirements. For instance, saying, okay, we have a calendar. We want to have a resolution for navigation, five meter, 10 meter, or for Copernicus, a special resolution. And they say, okay, we have concerning the procurement. We also have some ideas, open competition or whatever. And then we are again the ones who are doing the full management, the system design, the contractual things, and the technical things, because this is a competence of ESA as a European Space Agency. So we are not looking into any merger, we are not looking into being a subordinate body or whatever, so for us, and by the way, this is also done sometimes by some member states. There are member states saying we would like to have a national mission, but we have no national space agency. And they are using the same scheme over here. They come to us, say, please, ESA, put a satellite in orbit. We have a certain amount of money. We want to have that and that requirement. For instance, Belgium saying both part of Belgium must have the uh, same share or whatever. And then we are doing that. So this is just, we are the European Space Agency to serve for the European member states, and the commission is, for me, part of that game. No merger, 
it's a partner. Yeah, uh, the second one was China. China is for us not the same as the European Commission. China is a uh, spacefaring nation. They have the ability to launch uh, satellites, but also humans. And um, therefore, as I always say, and I said, cooperation between, beyond earthly uh, crisis is important also beyond earthly borders to cooperate. So we are doing cooperation with China, but at that time we are looking also cautiously what we are doing. So in science we are doing a lot together with uh, China. In technology uh, we are a little bit more reluctant. Human spaceflight, um, some, some of our astronauts are learning Chinese right now. So we are in a discussion. Uh, I cannot finalize. Maybe Thomas Reiter could finalize. Was, there, was it correct what I'm saying, Thomas? Was correct. Uh, yeah, was OK. So we do not have a final decision about that. But there is an opportunity. Why not, why not use that opportunity? OK. There's no further questions. I wish to thank, uh, first of all, our Director General for being with us today. Thank you. Thank to our interpreter and to the technical team who supported this event. I want to invite you for tomorrow. Tomorrow there's plenty of other things going on here, particularly interesting for the press. Starting at 9, there's already Airbus, a press event here in the same place where we are now. Then it's space day tomorrow. There's plenty of speakers starting at 10.30. You will still be able to uh, listen to our Director General, Minister Tsipras, and then you have other directors from the European Space, uh, space Agency and prominent speakers all day long. There's two other press events tomorrow, announcements. One is at 13 hours, up to 14 hours, Astrobotic, and it's again here in the VIP lounge, and again here in the VIP lounge um, at 15, 15.30, the signature of the pilot contract with ESA and ADS to take us to the moon. So uh, welcome again uh, tomorrow, and thank you for coming today, and have a good evening.